Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Samuel Rook and Tom Scholes. That final international break of 2017 is in the rear view mirror now and until March really, it's all domestic football for us to enjoy. However, we'll take one last glance at Les Bleus and keep our eyes on the road in Ligue 1 after the head latest headlines. France performed admirably on Tuesday evening, earning a 2-2 draw against Germany. Alexandre Lacazette scored twice, but a large Stindl strike in added time meant that there was a share of the spoils. In Ligue 1 news, Oscar Garcia has quit as manager of Saint-Étienne. The former Brighton and Watford boss was reportedly at odds with the club's hierarchy after a number of promises from the summer were broken. And that's all for your major headlines, at least. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this evening with Les Bleus, who did earn a credible 2-2 draw, and it could have been a little bit more had some things gone their way. Um, we talked a little bit on Monday's podcast about the things we were expecting and the, the potential lineup and who may be needed to stand up. And, and two of those men, really, Sam, were Lacazette and Marshall, who we expected to start. And they certainly performed in this one, both of them. They definitely did. I mean, you really can't ask more of Lacazette than to score two goals against Germany. I mean, that's an excellent performance. He he got his chances and he put them away. And, and that's great. And people have sort of always questioned whether he exactly fits in to this France squad and whether he exactly fits into Deschamps' ideals of how he wants to play. Uh, but he's been rewarded. Uh, his faith has been rewarded by Lacazette scoring both those goals. And then Martial, even more excitingly, that assist for Lacazette at first was just sensational piece of footwork, just beautiful. And it wasn't the only thing he produced. I think if you compare it to, say, Kingsley Coman, uh, his performance against Wales in a sort of similar wide-ish forward role... Coman looked good but didn't deliver. Martial delivered and he must have done himself a great service. He's pushed himself right to the head of the queue in Deschamps' mind, I think, because he did. He made some errors. He passed when he probably should have shot and he wasn't perfect, but he really took the game to Germany and he really left his mark. Yeah, I thought he was really excellent. And that little bit of footwork, especially in the box, was reminiscent of a, of a highlight he had in pre-season as well that showed that he's he's got great close ball control and that he really was excellent. And he was maybe should have sealed it in the last couple of minutes as well with a, with a chance. But there's a lot of positives really to take in this one. Again, um, Tom, we were talking on on Monday again about the Wales game that there was there was highlights from there that showed that they could sort of dominate a game but here against a Germany side that yes maybe maybe some would argue was was under strength but they still had plenty of attacking talent on display and uh, France held their own for a long long periods of this game yeah I mean as, when when France comes up against certain nations with all due respect to Wales if Gareth Bale doesn't play they're not going to dominate a team and even when he does play they're not exactly a, a possession-based side as it is so uh, the, nine times out of ten France will dominate the game, but against a Germany team away from home, and they they set up in a different way almost. I I enjoyed how they played because they were, the forward three. It, it, there's three players. Okay, maybe Lacazette isn't as versatile as, uh, as as the others, but they can all interchange. And 
they can swap flanks and they can swap positions and they can keep the defence on their toes. I think that was one of the, the major positives that I looked at it. But at the same time, they created a lot of chances as well. And on another day, I, uh, I was just looking at the highlights uh, beforehand, before, before I came on this, and I was looking at it, I, I forgot how many chances they created sometimes with uh, Martial and Lacazette and Mbappe really getting involved. And, you know, I think their fluidity and how well they played, and you, you mentioned Martial, and it's, he, he, he's good enough to start for, I'd probably say, 90% of the nation's. 95% of the nations going to the World Cup and I think it would be a massive shame if he doesn't start for France ahead of some of the other wingers they've got going for them at the moment because he's so good at running at defenders and and I'm not comparing him to Thierry Henry before you know before I make this comparison and I fall into that trap but the way he runs and the way the defenders back off him it does remind me of when you see old clips of Henri at Arsenal where he'd run, he'd cut in on the inside and he'd just have defenders on toast every time. And that's what watching Martial does sometimes to me. And I think, you know, the, them three up front, they showed that France can play in a different way on the, occasionally on the counter-attack and they've got the pace to, to really hurt teams, even a team as good as Germany. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was maybe a little bit of a lapse of defending and bits like that that saw them get back into the game. I mean, the Timo Werner goal as well. I, I have to blame Jalé on that one. He's so far up the field compared to the rest of the defenders. It It's a bit laughable. But it, Sam, it was interesting in this one that Deschamps showed a little bit more flexibility than we've seen, at least in recent months. I know during the European Championships, he moved to that 4-2-3-1 and it was really successful. And it showed it again on Friday that it, it did give more help really to Griezmann and Giroud performed really admirably in that. But they also then showed on the Tuesday night that they can do a 4-3-3 against a, a, a world-class side. And I, I just want your opinion on it because we mentioned it on, the, on Mondays as well. Um, which do you prefer, having seen both now? Do you think that the, this side suits a 4-2-3 better or, or the 4-2-3-1? I think when all the, the players are available, fit and available, and you know, fingers crossed that Mendy is available at left-back, uh, the 4-3-3, just, that just allows them to absolutely rip teams to pieces. And I think Deschamps is always going to lean on Giroud because he believes in Giroud, he believes in his role, he's, he's responded to that in the past. And so I think... Deschamps is unlikely to play this sort of a 4-3-3, the, the fluidity, the interchange we were talking about. But this that was fantastic to watch in moments against Germany. And the players that aren't in this that 11, players like Griezmann, who would come in and add so much more. I mean, you, you put Pogba in that midfield, you put Griezmann in the front there, you put Mendy at left back. That's a, an incredible fluid, attacking, pace, skill, everything. And that's just what you that's what you want to see at a World Cup. I think we all would love to see them playing like that at a World Cup, just going at a team. Uh, having said all of that, I don't expect to see it because I think Deshaun will will lean on what he knows. Yeah, that's always the tricky thing, isn't it? They've got so many great attacking players, and we, and the the positive is is they can be, play great football in both those attacking ones with so many different options. I mean, obviously Lacazette and, and Martial on, on Tuesday, and and Griezmann and Giroud and and although Komen didn't really impress on that game, but they have the options there because then there's still Lemar, there's still Dembele to come back into the fold as well. It does add up a, a couple of interesting options really for them. And do you have a preference really, Tom? I mean, we were mentioning on Monday that maybe 
Deschamps is leaning more towards the 4-2-3-1 as exampled in the Wales game a bit more because they've seen the progress that Pogba's made um, in that two-man midfield at Manchester United before his injury, but also then came back with a 4-3-3 that was also exciting. So it's it's a tough choice, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I think um, what's going on is it depends on the opposition they're playing. As we mentioned, when they're on a counter-attack and a team that's likely to dominate against against the Germany, a 4-3-3 suits them because it gives them a little bit more expansive uh, play going forward. However, when they play a team that they're going to be on top against, a 4-2-3-1 with Pogba next to a holding midfielder, as he's done at United before his injury, like you said, I think that suits him. However, as a personal preference and watching the two games that have just been this week, it's hard not to be excited when you watch them play in the 4-3-3 because it's so it's so quick, it's so fast. And, you know, as Samuel said, if they get Mendy back at left back, that is going to be it's going to be like watching Monaco again. <laughs> you know, it's going to be it's going to be fast play that gets people off their seats and, you, and you, you're going to sit there and you're going to take notice. And I think at the back of my head, I'll look at it and just think this, this is not going to happen. As exciting as it is and as, as fun as, as it is and, you know, all the positives about it, it's hard to move away from the 4-2-3-1 when it's got some good results for Deschamps in the past. He... He does like Giroud, and you know he might not be the most exciting forward in the world, as many people like to point out. But he's still got a very good goal record. He's still very efficient when he's playing up front. He does work well with Griezmann, who's another player that you would have to fit into this system. Kante would have to come into a four-three-three alongside Pogba, and then you've got to fit a lot of other players around it. It would be it's, it's going to be quite hard to to fit players around certain formations, knowing what Deschamps likes to play. But as much as I love the 4-3-3, I think that's what they should go for in the future, certainly in the World Cup. It would be hard to see Deschamps and, and France move away from a 4-2-3-1 with, you know, Giroud up top with a lot of players supporting him. Yeah, it feels like it, this France team at the moment, if they could only just get a left-back, with my, well, not a left-back, sorry, a right-back, a left-back back in Mendy, but a right-back engineered like him, um, they might be onto something really, really special. But... Um, at least the cogs are turning. At least there's options there now. At least we feel like this France team can mix it up a little bit with these bigger teams. And it, it will be interesting come December 1st. Mark it in your calendars. That's when we'll find out the group in the World Cup. And uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's looking forward to that. That could be a really, really spicy one. Um, let's go back to domestic matters now, obviously, because the Ligue 1 action is back this weekend. And an interesting game, really, to start us off on. Friday evening, and that's uh, Saint-Étienne heading to Lille. And I'm starting with the away side first, as we've mentioned in the news, because of the Oscar Garcia removal, as it was. It seems to be a... He, he has left, but it seems more like a mutual decision in the in the wave of things. It, it, there is, a, there is a, a report on our website that tells you a little bit more about the situation. Basically, it seems like Oscar Garcia was given a couple of promises in the summer, including a number of players he wanted to bring in. Uh, unsurprisingly, they didn't come through the door, um, which isn't so much of a surprise for sometimes in these these clubs. He was asking for players similar to like Bojan, which makes a lot of sense with his roots back in Barcelona. Instead, he got Luis Dioni, who he didn't agree to, at least anyway, which might explain why we've seen him very little so far this season. But... Uh, He's decided to leave due to that friction. The the board are also reportedly not happy with his uh, 
lack of attacking play that they wanted to see after uh, Christophe Galtier. It's Julian Juju Sable who will be their permanent manager from the seams of things. The, the interview earlier today with uh, Roland Romier uh, announced that he would be not an interim manager. So it seems like he, at least in that wording, is their new permanent manager. Uh, what do you make of all of this, Sam? It, it, it's kind of, in a way, came out of the blue. I know it's come after a, a horrific sort of defeat in the Rhone derby that really damaged uh, a lot of the fans' uh, belief in him, but it, it didn't seem well, it didn't seem to be bubbling under the surface before now, and it's sort of all exploded at once. Yeah, I mean, it, that's not the, the next name on the list. I think if, if you'd ask people who's the next Ligue 1 manager to go, you wouldn't have jumped straight to Garcia. You wouldn't have jumped straight to a, a club that's not really in crisis. I mean, Saint-Étienne are not in great form, obviously. They're only as high in the table as they are because they started the season so well. But the 5-0 thrashing in the Derby aside, and yes, it's hard to put that to the side, you wouldn't have turned around and thought that that was the, the first team to, to make the change. But it does seem as though after the, the Derby, Garcia pushed again for the changes he wanted to see made. He wanted to apparently make some, some changes to the team now. He was told to wait until January. Uh, that wasn't good enough, so he's walked. The The fact that he's apparently walked um, without even taking any compensation, only taking pay up to the day that he left the club is is interesting. It's an odd one, but it just adds to the whole thing. And this has now fallen right in the lap of, of Sable, and it's going to be a very tricky job for him. And he's, he's a really young guy. He's scarcely just into coaching. He's coached a couple of the youth sides at Saint-Étienne, and He's been in charge of the uh, the youth development squad since this summer. It's a big jump. He's only 37. He's a little bit older than some of his former teammates at the club who he's now managing. It's a very tricky situation. And if Saint-Antienne weren't worried before the derby, this this has not been a great couple of weeks for them at all. No, and it's, just, it's a strange one. I, admittedly, Oscar Garcia is a... Is a good manager. He he had he has his passionate moments. I know when he resigned as Brighton manager, it, it, it was after a playoff semi final. It sent a little bit out of the blue, given how the well they'd performed that season, and obviously his other time in England was was very short due to to health reasons, really. But he's done uh, carved out a nice little career, really. Tom really with with good spells at Salzburg, Salzburg and and his previous job at Brighton, he did very well as well. Um, but how difficult it really is it for a manager that doesn't get players that they want? And that sets a precedent, doesn't it? I can imagine it being quite tough for someone that has such set, such set ideas about who they want to bring in and certain players they certain players they want and certain ways they want to play. And if you don't get these, you know, if you, if you don't get these players and you're not able to set up a certain way, then a lot of your pre-season work that you had prior to taking the job and prior to the start of the season, you know, most of it's out the window because you haven't been able to get the targets you want. You know, obviously, you know, this might this might shock you, but I don't have any experience as a football manager apart from on the game. And when I don't get a target I want, I don't like it. So imagine what it's like for someone that does this for a job and does it for a living. If he set out a, a short list of 20-odd players and every single one of them got rejected. And then, you know, he's been given players that he doesn't necessarily want. Then I kind of understand where he's coming from. I kind of understand why he'd be frustrated and, you, you know, I maybe not walk away without any compensation. 
you know that like you said sam it's interesting i i've, I've not really known of that to happen very often but if it can be very tough when you've got a set idea and certain play you go into a job knowing or having an idea of what you want and who you want to perform certain roles and then you know if you don't get any of the players you want and you're given people that are that in your mind don't suit your play, then it's going to be tough. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about um, Oscar Garcia doing the right thing, that he wasn't given promises and, and the like. But I also have to side with the club a little bit. I mean, they were expecting a better brand of football and we've yet to really see it. I mean, we saw it in brief spells maybe at the start of the season, but there's been unrest with Jonathan Bamba not getting a new contract. There's been other little pieces here and there where they started to struggle, a couple of injuries, like Perron obviously not playing that derby, and that sort of cascading as well. It all seems to come up to a head, really. That's sort of one of those unstoppable things that seems to happen, unfortunately. And I don't think that in the first place, we all, at the start of the season, when Oscar Garcia was announced as the manager, we were all scratching our heads a little bit, at least anyway. It didn't seem like the right kind of appointment for, for the club to try and do something different and now the new appointment of of the young manager whether that's the right step in the right direction it will, remains to be seen it's a very risky one but i suppose the only one really they can make at this sort of start, stage in a season but they face a team that used to be in crisis at least before the international break in in Lille Sam who did manage their first win since the first opening game of the season. It took another 11 games or so, but they beat Mets 3-0 at home. Um, that Marseille result now as well, it seems like building blocks are starting to finally be made there, isn't it? Definitely, yeah, exactly. I mean, after that Marseille game, I think we all sort of thought, well, geez, that could be the penultimate nail in Bielsa's coffin that they played well, but they still lost. You know, they went to Mets and you thought, well, geez, if they don't get a result here, he really is in trouble. The, the crowd was starting to turn on him, but they did what they had to do and they won that game. And now you probably couldn't ask for a better uh, op opponent than a San Etienne, who are obviously changing horses midstream, uh, who are without some key players, who who really sort of in disarray and coming off that, that derby thrashing. Lille have had two weeks off after that good win to just be on the training pitch. Very few of their players have gone into national duty. Uh, Bielsa's had two weeks to just be with the players and tell them, reinforce again his ideas, get everything clear, get everything fresh. Nice home game in front of the renewed faith of the fans, hopefully. This is perfect timing for Lille, and San Etienne might find themselves becoming the second victim. Uh, Lille, Lille had to wait nearly three months for their second win of the season and the third could be right around the corner. Yeah, and, and looking at the games after this one as well, Amiens, Montpellier, I know they play Lyon at the very end of the month, but those are two very winnable games and that's where you start building that little bit of momentum. The December doesn't look too great. I'm looking at Paris Saint-Germain and Nice staring me at the face in, in a, well, Nice twice, in fact, in two different competitions. But yeah, that, that, that might just build that little bit of a base where they need to really start edging their season out, especially come the second half of the season. Let's get some predictions in this one then. Tom, I'll start with you. I'm going to go for an exciting 1-1. Sam? Uh, I'm going to back Lille to repeat the trick and win it again 3-0. Mm, I'm really, really intrigued by this game. I'm definitely going to tune into this one tomorrow because it has just so many little storylines there for both sides really to, to try and build on. 
I'm going to give it. Um, I'm going to give it Santetien. Just I, I think it'll be two one. I think maybe the new manager bounce might be just enough for some of the players to. Uh, 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 maybe even someone like Dioni, who wasn't really fancied. Maybe this is finally his time to. Uh, Coming to the spotlight a little bit more, shall we say. Uh, we move to action on Saturday, which starts with the uh, current leaders, Paris Saint-Germain, taking on No, uh, Tom, PSG have been in oh, excellent form this season, really. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it, really. Um, and they, they come off a really fluent, exciting win against uh, Angers last week as well. They will still be without Neymar, obviously, because of uh, suspension. Um, so... It'll be an interesting one, won't it, to, to see how they continue without Neymar. Um, and I wrote a piece that was maybe slightly controversial this week about him maybe being a luxury player in the side. Um, could they possibly show that to be true again if they perform uh, as exciting as they did against uh, Angers a couple of weeks ago? Well, I I read your piece <laughs> and I agreed with it, if I'm perfectly honest. You know... The excitement around Neymar when he arrived, and as much as we all enjoy Liga, we watch it every week and we 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 talk about it and, and we we talk to others about it. He wasn't signed for that. He can be not not rested, well, he's suspended anyway. But he can they can afford to have him miss out on certain games, and still come away with a with a five 0 win like they did last time. The only difference is, is he going to be fresh when it matters in the bigger games? Is it going to change the way they play against a, a Lyon or, or a Marseille or a Monaco when he's not playing in certain matches beforehand? But at the same time, looking at it as a whole team view, I think sometimes they perform better when he's not there because the attention is spread out a bit more when he when he's not on the field and um, other players get the chance to shine and I think that's what this team needs you know for, for people that don't watch it as much as you know we do and some of the some of the other people that are heavily interactive on social media do it is it surprisingly the team is more than just Neymar there are a lot of a lot of good players in the team and they get the chance to shine when he's not there as they did last time out and I think this week will be another chance to show not only can they perform without him in the league, but that someone called Nathan was quite right to put out a piece about him. Yeah, I did preface it by saying that having someone scoring seven goals and having about eight assists is a, a nice luxury to have, really, to be fair. <laughs> but they, they all seem to perform better in the spaces that Neymar seems to occupy. I mean, Draxler works well in that whole sort of 20 yards away from goal to the left of the box, and that's where Neymar loves to drift into. Therefore, Pastore can move into the space that Draxler was in. They Then Rabiot can move into that space. It was strange how... And then Mbappe's further centrally because then Dani Alves can move further on the wing. It's strange how little shifts like that, even on great players, can mm-hmm. can change formations and styles so differently. But they come against a, what someone would expect as a brick wall, at least, anyway, um, to some, um, being a Claudio Ranieri team in, in Nantes. Sam, I mean, they got back on the horse a couple of weeks well, before the international breaks by beating uh, Toulouse in a really nice performance again. But this is going to be a back to the walls job again. But is there any better team in Liga that you could say that could try something like a uh, well, uh, parking the bus, so to speak, against Paris Saint Germain? 
It's funny you say parking the bus. Ranieri's press conference today, he promised that he won't park the bus. In fact, he'll park two buses, <laughs> uh, which uh, you, you set me up very nicely for. Um, I think we have seen one other team do a good job of that against PSG this season, and, uh, and that was Montpellier. And they did a great job, and they, they got the point. And again, it was a game without Neymar, a game where maybe Neymar could have made an impact, could have perhaps helped them find the breakthrough. But he was, again, missing, uh, becoming a bit of a theme uh, for PSG this season. Uh, Neymar not being there. But this is a game... If PSG are really going to drop points at all, this is the kind of game where you can see them doing it because, as you say, there are not many teams better at backs to the wall, defensively organized, very, very deep, on the break. Exactly what troubled PSG last season. Uh, PSG were undone time and again by teams that were just better organized and unwilling to take risks, and that's a Ranieri team uh, just in a nutshell. They won't, they won't take any risks. They'll just be organized. They'll be deep. They'll be frustrating. It probably won't be the most attractive game of football, but they will try and hit PSG on the break, and, and PSG are a little bit thin, um, in sort of uh, the squad, uh, Draxler's not trained yet. Munier's not trained yet. Both could miss the game. Uh, Mota, we've seen he's out for the rest of the season. Kimpembe suspended. They are a little bit low on troops. This could be one that might just sneak by them and not probably good value to, to fight for a draw, if not to, to get the draw. Yeah, that, I couldn't think of a, a better team to really try and part the bus than a Claudio Ranieri team, given his... Uh, former reputation especially well, even in everywhere he's been really other than possibly that season with Leicester but uh, I do love a game where someone tries to drag another team into the mud and whether Paris Saint-Germain fall into that trap or or not remains to be seen but let's get some predictions and I'll, I'll start with you this time Sam uh, what's your prediction in this one I am I'm gonna back Nantes to get the draw I think it's gonna be a goalless draw I think it's gonna be fun for for the certain kind of fans it's not gonna be super attractive but it's gonna be fun Tom as much as I would love Nons to get, you know, another a drab nil-nil, I love how dire their results seem to be. I just don't think this is the result for them, and I'm thinking this is a 2-0 PSG. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that uh, I pretty much eat my words in this one by Paris Saint-Germain putting a relatively torrid performance in against a side that's going to really, really push them to, to try and create it with 11 men behind the ball. So I'm going for a 1-0 win. Um, and then Neymar to probably get a hat-trick as soon as he returns. <laughs> um, next one on our agenda this evening is uh, Caen-Nice, which is an interesting one for two sides that were in completely different sets of form that had a stumble or a well, a slight recovery, at least, in in the terms of Nice. And that's where I'll start this one uh, with you, Tom. And, and the main man at the moment, really, and he won't be in this one, is, is Mario Balotelli, who was will be suspended because of a, a silly la yellow card uh, last week. But they've been on a, an awful run of form, really, before that game against Dijon. They were There were five losses in a row in all competitions. Their worst run for what, around about, since about 2008, I think it was. Um, are they, is this an ideal game with a con side that have come off a really bad defeat before the international break for them to get back on the horse? Or is that sort of, trip to a, a side that are great at home so far this season. Um, really not ideal for them to come up against when they're recovering from such a, an awful run. I think it's a bit, bit of both, really. I think it's, it's a good type of team to play because, it, you know, it, it gives them the chance to, to get 
back on form and to rectify some of the, some of the previous results they've had. On the other hand, they they are playing a team that is, you know, as you mentioned, quite good at, at home. But that might play into Nice's hands in a way because the pressure's not on them, and well, it will be on them. But at the same time, people will look at it and go, well, you know, if it's kind of a good team at home. So maybe they'll ease up on Nice a little bit if they don't get a result. But at the same time, they, they might look at it and, you know, without Balotelli and the team taking a lot of the, the attention and whatnot, maybe it frees them up a little bit. Maybe I'm just looking at it and trying to give Nice some positives. I think on paper, it, it will be tough for them. But at the same time, I think it, the situation might play into their hands in a little bit. And, you know, they've had time to, to, to rest and to to get back, you know, as a unit and, and maybe change up a few things and plan without Balotelli with advance time as opposed to just a week normally. I think it might play into their hands. But at the same time, I say that with, with a bit of trepidation. I'm not entirely confident. But I think it might do them well. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting game, really, because looking at Kong, obviously they they're sat in seventh, which is absolutely insane for them. Their fans must be absolutely jubilant, even though they've come off a five nil loss against Marseille, and they have actually only won one of the last four. It, that form really in, in late August, September has really helped them stead through, but a couple of little one nil wins here and there. But that was a real. That was the first time that they were really blown blown out of the water, Sam. Really, in that in that game in the velodrome just before the international break, will that be a, a little bit of a worry for for the side heading into thinking that um, this game might have been easier a couple of weeks ago, but now it, it, much much harder than it probably was uh, looking like it was on the calendar a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Calm because they did begin the season so well, and then things. And they didn't, not really fallen apart, but really slowed down. And it's not been, it's not been the same uh, tight, cohesive. Everyone sort of pulling in the same direction. The impressive stuff we saw at the start of the season, and that really came to a head against Marseille, where they really were kind of all over the shop, and it was pretty uninspired. Saying that though, they get to go back home again, where they are the, I think they're the second best home record. No, the fourth best home record in the league. Uh, and they're against a team with the second worst away record in the league. So, in a way, this is still a pretty great fixture for them. Uh, it's a great opportunity to bounce back. I mean, it's not often not often a team gets spanked five nil and doesn't respond the next week. I mean, it does happen from time to time, but you'd have to expect that Caen at home, knowing how well they've done previously this season, and then coming off that defeat, they've got to be smarting, they've got to be hurting, and you've got to think they'll probably respond. I mean, Nice still are not anywhere near the side they were. We've seen them in, in fits and starts. We've seen them in moments. They, of course, they smashed Monaco again, and they looked good in that game. But it feels like if Seri doesn't play, and he might play in this one, but we're not sure yet. If he doesn't play, they just they don't look very good. And as you say, there's no Balotelli, so there goes your main source of goals. It's a very difficult one to predict. But Khan, I think it's a good opportunity for them to bounce back. I will before I get your predictions, I will give you a little bit of assistance on this one by saying Cone have not drawn a game this year. Every single game they have had this season, the first scorer has won that game. 
it's very easy to see that straight from the list because they've only had one game that hasn't resulted in one side not scoring. So that makes it a little bit easier. But the other game was 2-1 and they scored first. Um, so I'll get some prediction and I'll start off first by saying it will be the first draw of the season. <laughs> but I think it will be 1-1. I, th- I think uh, Con maybe just have a little bit of enough to to hold off Nice for, for a long while. But I, I think Nice might be just starting to bit back on the horse. Uh, Tom? I'm glad you mentioned the no draw stat because my prediction is a draw. Uh, I think I'm, I, I think it'll be a one-one as well. Sam, I mean, I, my prediction really has to lean on whether or not Seri plays, and so I'm going to assume Seri does play. And if Seri does play, then I'm backing Nice to win it one-nil. Man, that's a justifiable reason as any as I can see it, at least anyway. Um, final game this week, and it's on Sunday evening. It's between Bordeaux and Marseille. I'll start with the visitors really first, and they've been in a nice little bit of run of form again. I mean, it's since that uh, Paris Saint-Germain game, um, they've won a couple, well, won the last game against uh, Caen relatively comfortably in the Lille game. It was a little bit more dicey, but they, they're in form. But I do want to talk about one man in particular, really, with you, Tom, and that's Florian Tovan, who scored twice and created assist. He we spoke about on uh, Monday's pod that he's really the forgotten man, unfortunately, for France national team because there's so much talent in those wide areas. But for the last year, year and a half, really, he's been a real talisman for Marseille and rightfully so is uh, is really leading the line for them. Oh, yeah. He's a wonderful player. He really is. And you, if you mention him being the, the forgotten man at France, Again, it's not really his own fault. He's done all he can to even get into the squad, but they've got so many good players in the position he plays in that, you know, begrudgingly he has to miss out. People remember him from his time at Newcastle, where he he wasn't, you know, didn't pull up many trees, if any. And then he goes back to Marseille, and unfortunately, they go in and bring Dimitri Payet. I say unfortunately, unfortunately from his point of view, you know, Payet is the, is, he's the rock and roll star of the team. He's the big name. He's the big price. And everybody's attention is on Payet. Payet's back. Payet's back. He, he's going to, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. But it's Tovan. That's the one that's doing all the, all, all the good work. He's the one that's the star of the team. He's the one that you got to build around. Not only is he younger, but he's playing better at the moment. And I think it's quite unfair on him in a way that only now are the majority of people kind of realising he's the guy in this team. He's the guy that's the match winner when things are, things are going down. He scored the, the, the goal to put them 2-1 ahead against PSG. And, you know, if it wasn't for that free kick, it would have been the winner. So he would literally have been the match winner in their biggest game of the season so far. So, unfortunately for him, other circumstances at club and country level have affected his reputation in a way. But he's, I personally, I feel he's the star of this Marseille team. He absolutely is. And credit to him, really. At that time at Newcastle, he was lambasted for the longest time for the sort of tuxedo gate that happened there after having one okay game for them. But he's really matured since that moment and uh, has come on to be a real star for Marseille. But um, Sam, they have awkward opponents, at least usually, in Bordeaux. But they've lost their last three games in their last four and five, in fact, except from that draw against Nantes. And last time out, it was a, a pretty dreadful game and they <laughs> an own goal from Jeremy Tulalan, which kind of saw, saw, yeah, sums up his season, really. 
um, in that one as well, in the 1-0 defeat to Wren last time out. They're, they're really fading, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's not that long ago we were talking about them as as being the, perhaps this season's third force alongside PSG and, and Monaco in France. And that now seems like we were very, very far off the mark. They've they've run out of, of luck, it seems like, and there's been nothing to replace that. These these defeats, some of these games just die. I mean, Amiens, that was rough. The Monaco just dealt with them quite comfortably. The Ren game, as you mentioned, another just pretty unpleasant. Ever, ever since PSG thrashed them, they, they tried to play PSG at their own game. They tried to attack, and they got just crushed. 6-2 and could have been worse, honestly. It's just not looked like turning around for them. And they're still in the top half. They're still looking perhaps up the table. You know, they win this game and, and they're still sort of in the conversation for, you know, for that third Champions League place maybe. But really, if they're going to turn things around again, it has to happen this weekend. It has to happen in this sort of Champions League six-pointer, if you like, uh, against Marseille. And... I, d- I just don't see that happening. I mean, they, they haven't just haven't shown a great deal. They've got no one to score goals. Uh, they've got no one to, to create much of anything. I mean, Kamano is one of the highest assist makers in the league, but that's just kind of a quirk of statistics. You don't see that when you watch them play. It's a lot of not much, really. And if they're going to turn things around, if they're going to relight the fires and look as good as it did at the start of the season. We need Malcolm to, to to find that form that he did have, which now appears to be sort of fleeting. I need Nicolas de Preville maybe to actually score a goal. Uh, it doesn't look great for Bordeaux. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things at play really for Bordeaux as well. I think, A, I think we're starting to see that there was a lot of individualism in this side before the start of the season where they were succeeding. I mean, they relied a lot on Malcolm, but you look at Kamano and and he can try and maybe do a little bit too much. Depravel's snatching at things because he's not been scoring goals. You look at, at Sabali, who started the season so well, um, scoring goals as well from midfield, was really trying to push himself further forward as the, as the midfield man they needed, not Varda, not any of the one they've brought in, but they've mixed out. And now they're just struggling for depth. I mean, they can't really change things because they can't bring anyone in from the bench to make a difference. They don't have that in defence. They don't really have that in in midfield either. I mean, other than Varda, but he keeps moving him in and out. They, they, they're not really settled. And the fact that they started like they started Monday over over Depravel uh, against uh, Rennes, he still had a couple of half-decent chances that he should have done a little bit better with, showed that they just don't have the options there and that's the problem that this team is going to face if they want to get Champions League football or anywhere near that or even Europa League football at the rate they've gone in the last couple of weeks it's the fact that they need January to come around as soon as possible and try and find some in new players and maybe really revitalize their start of the season and get players performing again it's it's a tough one really is um so let's get some predictions finally on this one and I'll start with you Sam and um, what do you think is going to happen in this one? I am. Um, I'm starting to really buy into this Marseille side. I've, I think they have something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the way they've just the way they didn't give up in the PSG game, the way that they they came back in that that crazy Nice game, two 0 down, win four two. It's it's sort of a theme. I think there's sort of there is a bit of a spirit and a harmony, and they're not 
they're not a fantastic side yet, but I feel like there's something happening there, and I think that's the exact opposite of what is happening at Bordeaux. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back Marseille. I think Marseille should probably do this comfortably, but then they don't not really Marseille don't really do anything comfortably. But I'll back them to win this three one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's just there just seems to be something that's just about missing from Marseille from being really really good. I mean, Gustavo's come in the last couple of weeks after that that that, that goal against Paris, obviously in the the strike he had against uh, Con was a nice finish to start things off very early on. He's starting to come in his own. The defence is looking a little bit better. I mean, it's not it's not a difficult thing to do after some of the things we saw uh, earlier on this season. But there's just a little bit of hope there. Again, if they get to January in the summer and bring a couple more players in, they'll be a really interesting side again. So I'm going for a Marseille win as well, and I'm going for 2-0. Uh, I really can't see this Bordeaux team uh, digging itself out of this hole against a a side like this, um, Tom. Yep, you touched both of you touched on the points that I was going to make. There's something about this Marseille team that I really like. like. I don't know what it is quite yet. I don't think they're quite aware of what it is just yet. They just keep winning. I think they're going on good form. Bordeaux, on the other hand, aren't on good form. They haven't scored for three games, so I'm going to go with two nil. Mm, yeah, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting one, at least. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Sam. Tom and all of you listening at home. Uh, Join us for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.